Are you okay? Don't care. Great. Bring on the bubbly. Babe. <laughs>Remember, my first name is Charles. Yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> the full like, name is Charles Cody Goodnight Craven. That's it. I was <laughs> before we were doing this, and I'm like, what was his? Like, he has a crazy name. I always knew this. So popular. everybody thinks everybody thinks that it's it's because my parents are hippies, which don't get me wrong, they are. But it's actually because I'm related to the founder of the Oregon Trail. For those of you that played the game in elementary school and died of dysentery, uh, I hope you didn't. But um, my great, great, great to the fifth power grandfather was Charles Goodnight, who founded 
the Oregon Trail. Ba bum 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 <laughs> bum bum. So anyway, continue with your introduction. <laughs> well, I haven't. I mean, I've seen your face, social media, FaceTime, all that good stuff, but I have not physically seen this man slash creature in. <laughs> over five years and yeah. so we met working performing together on ships and as much as i know your story cody because we've caught up over the years i'm going to be hearing a lot of this journey your truth which is the theme of season three of my podcast la verite remember i'm french babe well kind of. I, I do i know um, i'll never tire of it <laughs> and i'm going to be hearing a lot of this for the first time yeah. So essentially, Podsters, Cody is a fellow performer. When is he not working? Seriously. <laughs> um, at the moment, right? Because you're in New York City. Right, right. Although I am working and we'll we'll touch on just not necessarily in theater, but but the mu the music, the artistic expression is always in full swing for sure. Always. And what I meant by that is him gig to gig. Right. As an actor, you've been doing so, so much. And yeah. you've also been doing so much work in your personal life a lot of that too but you know what uh and i'm gonna sound real hippy dippy throughout this next hour but yeah it's all related it and and that was something that that i really needed to to discover on my own was that that there has to be a passion behind your employment and it has to stem from the same passion behind your life um and and if and if you can't find that in your in your current situation then it's worth making those difficult sacrifices to find it because we've only got one shot at this and and not to not to be dramatic with any epic no. foreshadowing, but it it uh, it came close for me before thirty, and so I'm very uh, grateful for for my refresh in perspective for sure. Fuck yes! Well, this is the place where we unpack. We hang <laughs> ourselves out to dry. I was gonna say I'm gonna be hearing a lot of this for the first time too, probably because I don't I don't talk about this very often. Uh, just yeah. just myself, and I don't mean about like any drama or any kind of hardships or anything. I just you know I I I don't get to t I don't. We as performers are so tentative to talk about ourselves because we we're always afraid of coming across as narcissistic or conceited. Um, but you know, on a on a just human level, sometimes it's really nice to talk about yourself. Yeah, and that's exactly what you're gonna do today, babe. Because I'm Boom. fully putting you on the spot to share your truth with all of us. And right. everyone, we're kind of tiptoeing around it. Everyone's like, "What are they getting at?" But essentially, I just want you to take it away yeah. and talk about your journey to what sobriety means to you, and the steps that you kind of took these last five years to get to where you are as an actor and a fucking human today. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So I am on my way to being uh, three years sober, uh, which is uh, incredible to me because, you know, I remember a, a very recent time in my life when a, a day sober was possibly the most terrifying thing I could imagine. Um, and I, I still have to, it really is a kind of a pinch myself, like a physical, sometimes I have to like wake myself up and, and remind myself that I've gone through the last, what, what will, I'll, I'll say three years because the journey towards sobriety began before I took my last drink. Um, right. And uh, I mean, shoot, you know, that's, let's, let's just, let's just hit it off at, at the beginning. I mean, I, I was aware that I 
had that my relationship with alcohol was different than than the average Joe. And I I say that as a joke because my dad's name is Joe. Um, <laughs> and uh, um, but but I I I noticed that even my relationship with alcohol was different than my father's relationship with alcohol. And you know, being being the male role model in my life, I I looked to him. Um, and and I noticed that I I enjoyed drinking a lot more than most people around me when all of my and, and again I'm from Northern California right so I I was raised around weed I mean I my dad's a musician and I grew up going to shows at the Warfield in San Francisco which used to be kind of the artistic home base of the Grateful Dead so I spent a lot of time around some smoky rooms you know um, really? and. And I didn't think anything of it. And all my friends just loved to smoke so much. And, and I just adored drinking so much more. And I was the only one out of my whole friend group that, that felt that way. So I, at a very early age, I, I noticed that I was different. But I no one wants to think too hard about that. It's just an observation. And you go to the next party and you crack yeah. the next beer. And, you, and, and I was successful with it because, thankfully, I, I was a very fun drunk. I, 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 I rarely got, you know, insanely emotional or an angry. And I'm also just not an angry person. I thankfully, and that's just a, a, either a genetic thing or a, or an upbringing thing or both, or just a me thing, who knows, but I'm very grateful that I don't have violent or angry tendencies in any other area of my life. So when I was drinking, that was never an issue, but that only ended up enabling my, my addiction for a very long time because I was remarkably functional. Um, yeah. And I mean, I can attest to that completely yeah. because when we met, you were, I mean, you are, sorry, let me correct myself. You are a super fun, full of life person, just like myself. Sure. And right. we hit it off. We clicked so immediately. Yeah. Birds of a fucking feather, man. Yeah. And we love to drink together. And mm -hmm. that was, you know, ship life and all that. Oh, yeah. Stuff. We, you know, we both been on ships we'd both been performing our whole lives and and even socially i think though in different countries we swam in a lot of the same tide pools as in regards to types of people and we we definitely attract the same types exactly. so we which is why we attracted each other you know and and we really did become insanely close friends very quickly i mean it really was incredible and and it was nice it was nice to experience that uh in in a performance setting and not feel like I had just made another musical theater friend. Yeah. There were you you've got layers, baby. You've got oh, layers. And, and, and you too, honey. And <laughs> yeah. that's why you're here because you are not fucking okay. Right, right. I'm not. So continue. Not, not okay. continue so, with right. Yeah. So I I I always recognize that. And and I mean obviously being being raised around music and the music scene, I was I was dubbed Cody the Roadie with my dad growing up. So I was just on tour with him. I was uh, meeting some incredible people, and but but along with that goes hand in hand with the culture of drinking and the culture of altering one's consciousness. Um, and luckily, I I was raised on both sides of my family to be aware of addiction, aware uh, of myself. Um, I just genuinely felt immune. You know, I I I felt like oh, it couldn't they couldn't possibly be talking about me. I, I'll keep my eyes out for my friends, but there's no way that I, I could be falling into this category of like alcoholic that they're talking about. Sure, I like to have fun and, and you know, everybody's hungover all the time and, 
And, you know, we all talk about how hungover we are at, at work <laughs> the next morning and we all bring each I, other, you know, I don't have a DUI. I haven't been right. This. I haven't right. been that. Exactly. I'm not an alcoholic. I, yeah. And it's not at all just because I live in a city that doesn't require me to drive. That's, that's not at all why I don't have a DUI. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I, I, I was, I was trucking along, you know, and it, then I moved. So, okay. I moved to New York when I was 22 uh, for the first time. It was right after I did um, a contract at Utah Shakespeare Festival playing Marius and Les Mis for seven whole months. Um, so great. Um, and then I followed a girl across the country to New York. And, uh, you know, New York can be one of the loneliest places in the world if you don't know how to navigate it. Um, being I've one of the, this. yeah, I've heard yeah. This. And I didn't have anyone to show me the ropes. So I would genuinely stay in my apartment and drink and watch TV because I was genuinely terrified to go outside. Um, which I have learned now is social anxiety. Now, yeah. see, I had not seen a psychiatrist my whole life until I was 20, almost 29 and newly sober. Um, so I didn't know what anxiety felt like. I didn't know what social anxiety was or felt like. And again, I felt immune to it. I was like, I hear about these things, but that can't possibly be what I'm experiencing. I must just be experiencing this other thing that doesn't have a name that makes my life a lot harder than what I watch other people going through. Well, especially so, since you're outgoing, right? Right. People nonstop. I mean, exactly. They, they associate social anxiety with a shy person. Right. No, no, it's a defense mechanism. Absolutely. Um, and even in high school, I mean, I was always turned on in high school, yeah. always turned on to the point where if I was having a hard day or I was just low energy and I didn't greet everybody with a fucking like sachet death drop moment, then it must have meant something was really wrong. Oh, and so I people can't would, relate yeah, to that at all. I know. How could you? And oh so, gosh. And so then it just became easier to be on all the time and never really show how I was actually doing, which made me stop checking in with myself to see how I was actually doing and instead resort to the easy fix, which was a drink or eight. Um, and yeah, that pretty much carried through the majority of uh, my early to mid twenties. And then um, after my work on cruise ships, came to a close, I booked my first actor musician show, which being raised a musician uh, was kind of my dream job. I mean, combining my higher education in acting, not musical theater, and then my folk and jazz musicianship, the fact that once, which is a, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's a, it was kind of the, the, the first modern actor musician show where all the actors were also playing all the instruments. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw it on Broadway and I turned to actually the girl that I moved to New York for. I turned to her and I said, if I ever get the chance to do this show, I want to do it for the rest of my life. Well, watch what you wish for because when the <laughs> rights were released uh, in 2016, which was the last year I saw you, yeah. um, I proceeded to do five contracts of that show in you under did. two years, which is like crazy to me. It basically felt like a tour. I mean, I just kind of was hopping from one city to the next doing that show. 
over and over and over again, playing three different roles in it by the end of my time with it. And uh, man, it really was an incredible, 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 incredible journey. Um, that that chapter was is definitely an artistic highlight in my life for sure. I yeah. But here's the catch: the whole show takes place in a bar, and the <laughs> set of the show is an Irish pub. And before the show, they're serving drinks on the stage while you're playing around. Um, and so that just gives you an idea of how immersed yeah. in alcohol our culture as a nation, as, as a human race, but, but specifically as artists, we, we really do love to alter our consciousnesses because that's where the magic happens. Now that, you know, the people that are fortunate enough to be born with, with a, a mental instability and have that magic potentially happening already, they, <laughs> they, uh, they either don't need the assistance or they want to further it now turns out having not seen a psychiatrist i had been diagnosed at 15 with very severe adhd mm -hmm. um but because my parents were in the middle of what was an 18-year custody battle my entire childhood life um pre-adult life um the judge at the time determined that i was not to be told um or medicated or treated for it because of who knows? And I refuse to go back and read those court orders because who needs that in their life? The, the bottom line is that I never knew. So then obviously that unmedicated ADHD was manifesting in anxiety and depression and social anxiety. And, and who knows how else, you know? And so obviously I was looking for a medication because yeah. I, didn't I didn't have one in a childproof lid. So I looked for one with a screw top and, and I found it on every street corner everywhere I looked on every billboard, it was, it was, it was readily available. Um, and so I took advantage of it and, um, it, it got to a point where throughout doing those runs of once, I really started to notice, I, I, it started to get so bad on my, on a personal level that I, I couldn't deny it anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, you know what? I skipped a little part that is actually kind of imperative to the story really quickly. I ah. did. So, so when I, right before I did my contract with you, uh, so in 2015, I moved to Chicago because I needed to get out of this city because it had become a very lonely place for me. Um, and I had gotten out of that relationship finally four and a half years later. And I was just like, uh, I need to, I need to go. Anyway, I, I was in Chicago and I, uh, I was gainfully employed with Lululemon and and <laughs> try and, yeah. and claiming and claiming to be artistically happy, you know, go, still wearing the label that said actor, but going to about a fourth the number of auditions as I was in New right. York. Um, really, kind of just trying to like live my life and reset. Well, it, it the that that wonderful optimistic pink cloud lasted. Uh, a few weeks. And then all of a sudden I was back into old ways and self-medicating again. And then there was a week where I, I knew I had a really big audition coming up and I had a big week at work. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to uh, 
take a break. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm just going to stop drinking for a while. But I hadn't really had a sober day in years. And so that was my first experience going through withdrawal. Wow. What was that like? It caught me off guard. I didn't know what was happening to me because I had been so in denial about how much I'd been drinking and yeah, how severe my problem you hadn't was. hadn't accepted it like you had when you were doing once. Okay. Correct. Right. That's why I needed to backstep no, a little bit sure. to totally this moment. It. I, and, and I, I remember I was, I was supposed to go to the big Comic-Con in Chicago, C2E2 with a friend of mine, but I couldn't, I couldn't move. I mean, I genuinely didn't know that the human body could sweat that much. I had yeah. no idea. And I, I was, of course, on the WebMD rabbit hole, convinced I was dying, yeah, reading yeah. <laughs> Wikipedia articles on delirium tremens, like about horror stories that like you have to go to the ER if you're experiencing DTs or, you know, all this stuff. I ended up being okay. But the very next day, I went to my very first AA meeting because I was like, holy shit, if I'm going through withdrawals, this is like a chemical issue with the way my body is functioning. I, I need no to address idea. this. Yeah. So this was before we even met. Right. Um, so you, you were on to something. It's a slow I was. burn here. It was a real slow burn. But then, um, and actually before I got to Toronto, I had been dry for three months. Um, and then for those of you outside of the, uh, the cruise ship bubble, um, the, the particular, uh, company we work for allowed us to rehearse in Toronto. So I got to come up to Teeny's, uh, neck of the woods and, uh, and oh my gosh, summertime in Toronto is just magic. It magic. truly is magic. It's the only word for it. It is, it is, man, if I could afford it and if I could, if I could make it happen, I would do it tomorrow. And I've said it since I left. Um, it's and sweetie. It's just gotten that much more unaffordable. Bring it on. Hey, so has San Francisco where I'm from and New York where I'm living now. Exactly. So. But don't worry, you don't drink anymore. So there's no exactly. I'm saving that budget. so much money. Um, okay. So you were yeah. three months dry. So three months dry, but then I got back to Toronto and I was with all my friends of and course. I, and I still hadn't really accepted the, the severity of my problem. Yes. I, I really was in, in a, in a deep, deep sense of denial. Um, and so I, uh, I started drinking again, lightly, socially, whatever. It took like, you know, a few weeks for it to get back to, to not, not a, not a crippling place, but like to a, to a everyday kind of thing. And Cody, you would have never known when you first right. met you. Right. Right. Like yeah. Towards the end of our friend, not okay, not towards the end of our friendship, physical, no, physical friendship of yeah. being in the same place together is only when I started to notice. Right. Right. So. And, and, and that's just because like, like most addictions that I've heard about, it is just there, there, there's not, there, there's not a lot of peaks and valleys on, on <laughs> when you're on, when you're on a decline, it's just kind of, it just keeps going. It's, it's a yeah. straight line on the diagonal. Um, and, uh, yeah, thankfully it was a gradual one that time but it was, it was still on a steady decline. Um, yeah, so... and, and so then to, to boot, so you remember kind of that I was in less than great condition the last time you saw me. Um, but it didn't really go up for me to then go down again. I just kind of kept going down. Okay. But again, I, I just slowed the roll a little bit and I was doing these shows that I, admittedly I was very good at. I was right. very good at doing this show once. Um, and so 
that just served as another form of of enabling me to keep keep my old habits because if it ain't broke it don't you know if i guess no it's not if it ain't broke it's like if it's still got moving parts don't bother trying to fix like it could be it was broken a long time ago but i was still making it move so why fix it and you were performing I can only imagine. I never saw all the time, but I can only imagine like your voice wasn't affected. I mean, but it was also like folk singing. So it was, I've been, I've been doing all this musical theater and taking these voice lessons, which changed my voice, which we can talk about another time. But like, I unlearned all of that and have found miles more success vocally since I unlearned trying to, again, fix something that wasn't broken because I had a very good untrained voice before I tried to train it. So it's kind of like, why, why did, you know, I was, it's that whole conformity thing that we try to do. Um, and, and that was just another version of it. So okay, I, so. so I get to the end of this run of, of, of these two years of doing once. And, and I, I come back to the city and I have really started to burn bridges at this point in my life. I've noticed that friendships are not readily available the way they were before. Um, a lot of the times from things that I genuinely didn't remember. Um, wow. And I was, I rarely remembered a night, um, but I'd still get up and do the work. Um, but th- at this point we're in 2018. Okay. And I uh, was hired for a contract. Um, and it was my very first time being fired from a theater contract and and it wasn't because I was like drunk at work or anything it was that I was just in such poor health that I wasn't able to perform the way that I did in the audition room nine months prior when they cast me in the role um so what do you mean by that like physically physically so I so I had gained a lot of weight okay um and at this point not a ton but like a noticeable amount of weight for a performer. I mean, we're kind of scrutinized when it comes yeah. to our waistlines. So uh, in, in, in the casting director's eyes, I had gained quite a, a bit of A noticeable amount of a weight. A noticeable amount of weight. But also the shape of my face had completely changed. I mean, I, I, when it's a very common thing, they actually call it alcoholic wasting syndrome. Whoa, um, that's the first and, time I'm ever hearing this. And it's, I learned this from a specialist that I went to see when I couldn't figure, well, I secretly knew why it was happening, but just like people who smoke and go around until they find a doctor that also smokes, who will tell them that it's okay to keep smoking. People <laughs> will find medical professionals who tell them what they want to hear if they're Fuck that determined, I love you. Fuck you know, I love you. tell us the truth. <laughs> it is, it's, it is true. Yeah. yeah, it is true. And so I, I, um, yeah, your I, face, I, your face, Sorry, my I face. Yeah. So, so I, no, 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 it's okay. So I went to go see specialist after specialist. And of course I still had that cruise money. So I was just like, I, I was throwing thousands of dollars at this, at this, at this supposed mystery as to why my face looked so wide when even the rest of me wasn't at this point and this 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 orthodontist that I went to go see was like, the only thing that makes any sense as to what is happening to your face is something called alcoholics wasting syndrome. You don't drink a lot, do you? I was literally drunk in his chair at the moment, but was collected enough to convincingly 
tell him that no, I uh, how no, I mean like you know a normal social amount, but like no, no nothing more wow. than usual. And you know, you as I ha- I had a fifth of vodka in my bag. Oh my like, god. Oh yeah. So anyway, I I was just that's the kind of denial I was in, right? Totally. So so I I I get let go from this contract. I come back and I meet. Uh, and through this, I, I've, I, I actually went through kind of a tragic pattern of dating where I was th- this, this girl that I dated for, for a long time, um, broke up with me the week before my birthday. Um, and I, you know, was like, let's all play the world's smallest violin for me, even, you know, and, and that was kind of a, it was a long time coming. We had fallen out of love. There were so many reasons why that breakup happened. Totally. But, but a year later, um, I had started dating someone new. They broke up with me a week within a week of my birthday. Um, and that one was the first time that I had just like truly been broken up with because of my drinking. And it wasn't necessarily that I was embarrassing in public or anything like that. It was that I wasn't remembering things and I didn't seem like myself at night. And I, I she just, you know, many, a few, many people have told me over the years that I just genuinely it's not that I am a mean person. It's not that I'm a sad person. It's not that I'm a, a weird person even. It's just that I'm a different person. That I, they say my eyes change and I genuinely just have different things to say. And, and, and I, I'm unrecognizable. I had become unrecognizable to people. Um, and so I, I was in this, this new relationship having just been canned from this job. I come back and at this point, I can't hold a job to save my life. I can't hold any, any retail job. I mean, I'm drinking that much. I can't okay. get to work on time. I'm starting to not leave the bed. I mean, there, there is no such thing as a time of day anymore. Um, I'm like racking up the credit card debt. Um, and just in, in kind of this, uh, blissful ignorance, this forced blissful ignorance but let's be honest, I'm a, I'm a smart cookie. I wasn't ignorant about anything at this point. I was just kind of writing it because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to get help that worked because AA had not been helping. Uh, it had become a trigger. I had started to look forward to AA only because I knew I was getting away with something by drinking vodka out of my sippy cup during the meeting. I mean, like, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and, and at this point of drinking, it had gotten to the point where I'd go into a supermarket. I would get the cheapest, uh, oh, well, actually in New, so in New York, I'd have to go to a liquor store, but um, by the time I'd gone home, I, this is, I'm just trying to explain the severity of my drinking. I would get the cheapest bottle of plastic fucking Popov or Alexi or whatever the fuck people are supposed to like clean sidewalks with. And I would get a drink some kind of non-alcoholic mixer, something, usually with caffeine in it. I would go check out. I would ask if they had a bathroom. I would walk to the back of the supermarket, use the, that, the janky ass supermarket bathroom, go into the stall. And at this point, I, I couldn't, I, my body had such a chemical aversion to alcohol because it knew that I was poisoning it, that I would have to plug my nose to chug this vodka to get back to a place of normalcy. Cause at this point I wasn't trying to get drunk anymore. I was just trying to return to normal level out, level, level out. out. Yeah. Level out. And so then I would, and out. then I, no. and then I'd pour the rest of the bottle into whatever was left of the mixer bottle, put it in my bag and go on about my day. 
Um, Fuck. And so it that went all the way through into the beginning of 2019 when, believe it or not, I booked another once. <laughs> and this is what pisses people off the most, I think, is that through all of this, like, kind of crippling alcoholism and just like, I mean, uh, it was, it was a, it was a deteriorate, a deteriorating lifestyle, right? I was still booking and I was still working and yeah, you were, I, I was. And so I went to go do this contract and, um, it was in Salt Lake city and Ooh. I went to, yeah, a sober uh, town. <laughs> right. Um, and the night before my flight, I had consumed a bottle and a half, at least, at least. I had gone to see a show. My uncle was in town. I took my then girlfriend, was wasted the whole time. And it was literally a show about the history of alcohol off Broadway, where they brought you drinks to your seat. Like Talk about fucking timing. Yeah. So I go, I take, I take this contract. I fly out there. I, I get in. And of course, Salt Lake City is high altitude, high elevation. I... We, we get to the hotel. I'm feeling like shit, right? I mean, but at this point, I had gone through withdrawal so many times that I had it down to an absolute science. Because through all of this, I will absolutely credit the fact that I'm still alive and the fact that I came out of this with so little residual damage to my body after the incredible shit I was doing to it and putting it through is that through it all, I was always looking for the least harmful way to do all of it because I knew it was harmful, but I was still looking at ways to counterbalance, counteract the toxicity of my, of my blood, you know, and, so and the rest what? of my body. Like eating um, well, working Eating out. well, working out. Again, I somehow managed to stay in the fitness community with this addiction for, a, for a, an impressive amount of time. Um, yeah, because you and were always into working out. Always, yeah, yeah. But then I, 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 we went out on our like cast shopping trip and in the middle of the pasta aisle in the Smiths in downtown Salt Lake City, I had my first and only seizure. Um, and oh it God. was, it was a grand mal seizure that obviously was caused by my withdrawal and everything I'd been putting my body through and the, the change in altitude. But here's the crazy part is because I hadn't consumed alcohol that whole day, it had passed through my system. So the ER techs and the doctors and everything, after I seized for 38 minutes in this supermarket, um, they, and I was, I, I blacked out completely. I woke up in the hospital, um, but I, I, uh, I, they had no idea. I convinced them that it had nothing to do with alcohol because I knew that if I told them that it had to do with alcohol, I would be fired from the contract on my first day there. So, so I, I don't know, for those of you that have never had a seizure, um, every muscle in your body contracts, um, and, and then starts to pulsate. Um, and so it's the equivalent of putting those muscles through a full body workout for like a full 24 hours. It's, it's, it exhausts your muscles. Now a 38 minute long seizure is exceptionally long. And so my, I, I could hardly, I mean, I truly mean it that I could like hardly get to rehearsal the next day. 
Um, oh, fuck no. I, I like, it was so hard to move. I had sucked my lip into my mouth as often happens when people seize. Um, and they always tell you, don't try to open someone's mouth when they're seizing because people's jaws have broken because your muscles yeah. are that tight. Um, and so I had bite marks all the way down my lip. And I mean, it was just like, I was in rough shape, but you know what? I kept going and I made it happen and I fought and I did not uh, end that contract on great terms, but you know what? I ended the contract. I, which, which uh, no one should have done in my shape. No one should have, no one should have made it through that contract without being fired. I, I, it's, it's incredible to me that I did. Um, but I mean, again, I never, you know, never missed a show, did my, did my job. I was never drunk at work, but I was just in really ill health. Um, so then I get, I fly back to New York and it, it has, I'm just drinking constantly. I'm just like, I've stopped auditioning. I'm missing all my auditions. I've stopped calling my agent who was also someone that I claimed to be my best friend, but I, I had started to sacrifice that friendship because I was too humiliated to have that communication and explain to her why I was missing all of these auditions on top of the fact why I wasn't hanging out with her because I was too humiliated to be seen by anybody because I knew how horrible I looked. Now at this point I was 215 pounds. Um, for reference, now yeah, like I weigh 155. Right. Um, and so it was just, I, I just looked like a different person. And then at the end of March, I woke up in the Harlem General Hospital. Um, and what had happened is I had gone out and spent the last of my money on a handle of rum. And I had just started drinking it. I don't even think I was playing music or watching anything. I, I went back to the apartment and I just started drinking it until I passed out. But I had consumed more of it than I usually did before passing out because I was pretty fucking determined, I guess. And uh, the, the woman I was dating um, at the time came home and found me breathing very shallowly. She claims I wasn't breathing, but if I hadn't been breathing, I don't think her timing was necessarily that perfect, but who knows at that point, it doesn't matter. I was, I was, I was real far gone and, uh, EMS came and they couldn't wake me up. So they took me to the hospital. And a few hours later, I woke up. The doctor was amazed. I woke up. Um, they really didn't think I was gonna for a while. Um, and I, uh, you know, the, the doctor sat me down and was like, look, buddy, we did an MRA, we did a CAT scan. And uh, outside of your white blood cells being just shockingly low, um, your brain has started to shrink because of the, the amount of alcohol you've been introducing chronically into your system. Um, and this is going to kill you <laughs> like, like maybe before 30. And at this point I was 28. Um, and you know, the funny thing is in that moment, all I remember thinking is that I remembered that the bottle that I'd been drinking wasn't empty 
and I started thinking about where it was. That's not a, that's not an exaggeration. That's not a lie. That is, that is seared into my brain forever. That the first thing that I thought about while I was having this conversation, well, the first thing I thought about when I woke up, and then the first thing that I remember thinking about while talking to this doctor, as she's telling me that I'm on my way to dying, was where my next drink was. Okay. <laughs> I'm, mm, it is rare that Teeny Lewis is speechless. <laughs> I, first of all, had no fucking idea. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that I didn't. No, but I, if, you know, if, you no, know no, no. yeah. Just okay. let me say uh, it. Okay. <laughs> and I am so fucking happy that you're here. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm getting emotional because like, I just, we're all just doing, trying to do our best. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just sitting here listening to your story, Cody. And I'm like, do I make this a two part series? Cause like, this is this is insane to see someone so high functioning to be going through a nightmare a nightmare that that you like couldn't wake yourself up from that you literally woke up from being unconscious and you were still living this nightmare of like oh yeah there's still a couple ounces left in that bottle legit and and to the point where where the the woman i was dating we got home and she, she knew that the first thing I was going to do was look for it. And of course she made me pour it out. Um, and I remember watching it go down the drain, like a damn TV show. I remember watching it go down the drain and just feeling my soul just sink with that wasted liquor. The night I had gotten back from the ER, right? I, it, and, and it wasn't until weeks later when I had returned to California. So I, after that, I obviously was, I looked at her and I was like, uh, I'm going home. We're done. Uh, I'm going, <laughs> I'm going home now. Um, and, and luckily, thankfully, thank God. Thank, I think everything I know about, existence that I had a family and by that I specifically mean a mother who was readily available and willing and able to take me in and fight with me to find the right combination of things that finally got me sober. Okay podsters that's it for today's episode. I had zero intention of making this a two-part episode. But when I heard Cody's story, and he told me that he almost died, I was way too overwhelmed to keep recording. That's when we realized how impactful a two-part episode could really be. This is someone I care so much about, and I had no fucking idea they were struggling that hard it doesn't have to end like this (laughs) i sound so dramatic but it is so fucking true thank you cody for being here today thank you for sharing what your rock bottom looked like what your addiction to alcohol looks like 
Cody is going to come back next week and share with us his road to recovery. What does three years sober look like? I mean, he is a fucking bartender right now. Are you okay? Obviously not, but he's also very okay because he is nailing it to the wall. He has turned his life around completely, and I am so proud to call him a friend. I've always been proud to call him a friend. Cody has put together a really helpful document for anyone that needs any resources at all. Feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at teenytime or Cody at Crave Nation. He's got a couple of thirst traps up there. Let me tell you, Cody, sober looks real fucking good on you, pal. That six pack came back real quick. Um, but seriously, reach out to us. If you're not comfortable doing that, talk to someone that you are comfortable with. Get the help that you need. Your life matters. Cody almost died. If he can do it, so can you. Okay, enough with the melodrama teeny. But seriously, you guys know I'm right. There is so much truth to what I'm saying. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Are You Okay? I'm obviously not. I'm going to go drink a glass of water after listening to that. And I'm going to see you all next week for part two where we hear the truth about sobriety. Take care, podsters. Don't forget to rate, review, like, subscribe, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts and have an amazing week. You fucking matter. Great!